0: To the Sworn Testimonies podcast, a podcast where we promise to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Today, I am interviewing my friend and roommate, Dominique. Say hey. Hey, hey. How are you feeling today? Uh, A little nervous, for
1: sure, but good. (laughs)
0: Okay, good. So, we only have one rule on this podcast you have to tell the truth, and you are allowed to plead the fifth one time. So, if I say something, or ask you a question you don't want to answer, you can tell me now, but only once. Okay. Awesome, so before we start, uh, please tell the people who are
1: you and what are you passionate about? Uh, My name is Dominique Calvillo. I am from Los Angeles and I am passionate about making art that helps humankind evolve. (laughs) And what types of art do you create? Well, (laughs) um, I am a singer and a crochet artist, and a stylist. You do everything. I, uh <laughs> does everything,
0: and she's being so humble right now. We actually met at an open mic, and I was like, who is this girl that's up here singing about weed? Um, and I was, like, singing some song about the Lord and Jesus, and I was just so captivated by all of who she was, and then I came to find out that she's actually, like, incredible at crochet, Her dresses are amazing. What's your Instagram?
1: Namaste and Crochet.
0: Namaste and Crochet. Everybody go check it out. Um, But today I want to talk to Dom about a breakdown that she had, I guess, almost two years ago
1: now? Yeah, two years.
0: Two years ago now. And, you know, I think a lot of people, when we think about breakdowns, we think about crazy people, whatever crazy means to you. I don't necessarily like that word, even though I use it all the time, but we think about people in psychiatric facilities with disorders bipolar disorders and we don't necessarily think about ourselves but the truth is any of us are susceptible to having a breakdown at any time so i want to talk to dominique kind of about her experience so that if this is something that you're experiencing or something that you're susceptible to experiencing you can kind of see the signs and you know figure out how to move forward in a way that's healthy so dom what happened
1: that's a great question. <laughs> I would like to know what happened. <laughs> um, well, I guess I should kind of paint this picture for you of where I was at, my, at in my life at the time. Um, I, at the time, was uh, doing music with my sisters and had just finished a project and we're, we were playing out a lot. And I was just feeling a lot of, like, pressure and expectation in that area of my life. Um I had just gotten back from a trip to Cambodia and Thailand where I was working with anti-human trafficking and also had like seen and interfaced with like what genocide looks like in Cambodia. And it like just totally wrecked me. Like it destroyed me and I had crazy anxiety upon my return home and was just depressed for a year and then started to crochet obsessively to kind of like get my mind out of this phase and it worked and I became addicted to crocheting (laughs) and accidentally started this clothing line which is now Namaste and Crochet because I was trying to meditate my mind out of like this depression that I was in and anyway that led one thing to the other and then I got asked to do this like runway show and so i had been preparing for this runway show like nonstop. stop was not eating was not sleeping was working out all the time and like up all hours of the night crocheting while also sustaining my day job which is hair and makeup <laughs> so i had like five different careers and things going on at the time and just was completely ignoring like my need for sleep and like it turns out, sleeping and eating protein is really good for you. Yeah, that's, and <laughs> what, <I heard>. that's <laughs> so what they say. That is something I learned. Um, so yeah, it just one thing led to another, and I was just on this like adrenaline high by the day that I got to my runway show, and was told like seconds before the show started that I had to like walk the runway at the very end. I like had never done anything like this before. So, and it was weird. It was weird to see all of my different crochet pieces on all of my friends and to see kind of like the year of meditation that I had spent kind of manifested in front of me in the form of all these like beautiful women that were supporting me. And it was just this like beautiful moment. But I stepped out onto that runway and I got to the end of the runway and it was like glass shattered inside of my head. Mm. And I just like skyrocketed into this other world. Wow. (laughs) Yeah.
0: So, do you have vivid memories from that night, or do do things kind of get cloudy after that? Because I know that took you kind of on an entirely different journey.
1: Yeah, I was very, um, I was very present that night. So, yeah, I do remember, like, most of the details of the night, and it was, it wasn't, it was really, honestly, like, one of the most incredible experiences of my life. It was just, I don't, yeah. (laughs) That's
0: so fascinating to me, Um, just already, because a lot of times when we think about breakdown, we think about something tragic having happened, right, yes. like somebody died, or, yes. you know, we're losing a job that we loved, or a breakup, or something like that, and for you, this was, like, an incredible career experience, right. and at the, <laughs> at the same time, it led to kind of, like, a soul-searching, what I, you know, have called a breakdown, but I guess you could call it lots of different things.
1: Yeah, I think that that's been a hard part, too, is, like, I don't know what to call it. Like, um, I went to see a therapist shortly after that called it a Kundalini awakening, which was a word that I had never heard, um, and that seems to resonate, like, pretty well with what I had felt. Um, so what what did you feel? What happened? Oh, my God. <laughs> so it kind of went in phases. And it started what with me at the end of this runway kind of like taking a bow and like taking in the moment and then like getting off. And um, yeah, so, so the first few days were, I actually had to call my mom the other day just to be like, at what point did you notice something was weird? Mm-hmm. Because I'm a very hyper creative person anyway, and I tend to be kind of like, a bit of a workaholic, and, like, I don't think that people can tell the difference between, like, me on a normal day and me on, like, a not normal or whatever you want to call it normal. So, yeah. yeah, I think for the people around me, it was, like, really hard to tell, but I think that what happened was it was kind of like being on an acid trip for a week, mm. and, like, for those of <laughs> you, like, I know what that means, <laughs> and I have no idea what that feels well,
0: like. Well,
1: for those of you who have, like taken a hallucinogenic drug or got on that type of experience i could probably relate (laughs) i'm sorry all of your other guests have been like so like like beautifully christian (laughs) be your
0: truest realist self this podcast is for everybody all right
1: i need to be able to say jesus and chakras in the same sentence please do okay i don't know where we were i'm sorry that's okay um Um, yeah, so me on a normal day versus on a not-so-normal day is kind of indistinguishable. Um, Acid, that's where we were. Acid, yeah. So, for those of you who have ever, like, gone on a trip like this, you know there are kind of, like, different phases of, like, the trip. And at the beginning phase of my, like, breakdown, trip, spiritual awakening, whatever you want to call it, I... Became, like, a very heightened, intense, but also best version of myself. Mm-hmm. Like, I was doing all of the things that I wish that I had done all the time. Like, I wouldn't um, I wouldn't use plastic. Just, like, completely refused. And then was very particular about the food that I ate. Like, only eating, like, superfoods or, like, well, I wasn't really eating. That was kind of the other problem. <laughs> Still not eating. <laughs> so... Yeah, so I, I start and like, I just became very in tune with like, just this higher frequency of how I wanted to be all the time. I was communicating very clearly. I think sometimes in normal life, I can kind of be indirect with my communication, but I was very direct. I started to, I started to talk a lot and I started to cry a lot, which for those who know me well, know is very unlike me. So I had, like, I was trying to help my sister produce this music video kind of the next day. Like, I had not given myself any time to rest after this day. And I wanted to, like, set design this whole thing for her. So I drove out to my parents' house at, like, 3 in the morning, came back to my house with all of this stuff about, like, how I wanted to art-direct the music video and created this whole world for her, like, overnight. And again, got no sleep and just, like, ride all day and then my sisters were like that's weird yeah. <laughs> that's definitely not right so I think that was kind of the first sign and um and then the spiritual download started to happen I went from being very clear and heightened to like okay now I'm getting like messages in a way or I'm just like receiving information or I know that sounds weird but just a lot of like different ideas about uh, like humans evolvement and how we're going to grow as humans and that means like different types of people coming together to understand each other and um how good it is for humankind for people to get out of their bubble and to like be together and relate together and realize that we have more in common than in conflict um and a lot about how media is used as a programming tool by our government to distract us from what's really going on All in the world. All of that sounds so <laughs> i like, yeah. this a breakdown? Yeah, or? no, yeah. And I was like, I was like one of those people at that point that was like, I wouldn't keep my cell phone in the same room with me. And if I did, I would put tape over the camera. Like I was that person. So it turned into almost a paranoia. It was a paranoia, but it was kind of like your run of the mill. Like, did you ever see It's a Beautiful or A Beautiful Mind? Yes. So, you know how he's kind of, like, seeing all these, like, signs around and, like, newspapers and photos that, like, all the dots for him connect and they mean something to him? Yes. But they don't mean anything to anyone else? That's how I became. So, I started to, like, talk in fractals. And that makes sense because I had spent a year meditating in crochet and, like, mm. um, sacred geometry. And everything to me was, like, what color and shape is it? Like, so, I think hey. I... I went into this other zone of just, like, weird organizing. Like, I I cleared out my closet. I, like, cleared out everything that I own. Um, I got rid of, like, a third of my stuff that day and just gave it away. And it was just, like, I'm done being materialistic. Like, I would be minimal now. Um, I think I got off track. I'm so sorry. No, it's
0: okay. So you had, like, a Marie Kondo.
1: Yeah. I had a Marie Kondo moment, you know, just like best self type of stuff. And then I started to get like, you know, your run of the mill, like the government's after me. And like, he is like, they are, they're scanning your face every day when you look at your phone. So again, it's like, okay, is that crazy? Am I being crazy? Like, I don't, I don't know. Um, but then the, third phase which was like the phase where it went from like okay I'm on this like crazy high I'm getting all this like amazing information and these ideas and this like creative inspiration and then it turned into like there are like there was this whole like storyline surrounding me and it was kind of a compilation of everything that I had been through at that moment and like I thought that there was, like, a genocide going on in L.A., and at the time there were fires burning, and I thought the government had, like, sent fire to, like, L.A. to, like, all, yeah, just, it was this whole storyline, and it was, like, you know, the government's after me, people are looking at me, like. So,
0: were you, were you communicating this to people at the time? Did Did anyone know?
1: Um... I think that I, I don't know. I think that I maybe tried to communicate. I was, yes, I did in some ways. Like, um, I remember this time I went over to my mom. I think this was the night that my mom decided that I needed to go stay at her house for a while. Because it was just so bizarre. I came into this, like, powwow with my mom and my aunties and just started, like, ranting about how we need to, like, save our compost and, like, connect back into the earth and that, like, Mother Earth is calling us to return to her and was just, like, preaching about Mother Earth, (laughs) which, again, I would do sober. So it was, like, but that was weird for me to, like, go into a space like that and just start talking about, like, I mean, I'm not a mother yet, but, like, motherhood and, like, connecting to Mother Earth and just... Yeah, so, where were we going? <laughs> so,
0: your mom is, like, something is a little off. She might be onto to something, but maybe she's struggling. We should have her come stay at the house. What happened after that?
1: Um, so, it was Christmas time, and my parents have a, like, fairly large house, and they host a Christmas party every year. So, they like to decorate, and I just decorated, like, the Energizer Bunny for three days. And that was the other thing that happened to me. My conceptualization of spaces has completely changed since that day. Like, I I walk into a room now and I, I see space differently. I see organization differently. And I spent three days in this, like, hyper-in-tune, organizational, geometric, Fairyland with all these Christmas decorations, and I just like decorated the hell out of their house. And so, and so again, it was like, yeah, I wasn't like sitting down very long. I wasn't really eating or sleeping that well, but I was being productive, and I was very clear, and I was like making things. So it's kind of a blurred line of like what is crazy. Yeah,
0: that's such a good point. Um, You know, our culture we talk a lot about hustling. Mm-hmm. and working hard and staying up all night and getting it done and all those things are great but i know when i get into a space of obsessing over my work it's not the healthiest thing like Mm-mm. when you're not eating, <laughs> when you're not eating and you're not right. sleeping being productive isn't always a good thing and being hyper productive can actually be a very bad thing so it's so important for people to
1: find that balance uh, preach yes absolutely absolutely Um, and I had no balance at that point in my life, clearly, (laughs) so, so yeah, um, yeah, but then I think kind of during that time of me, like, decorating, like, a mad woman and, like, telling people to compost and that, like, the whole town was going to burn down and we were going to have to, like, rebuild it, everyone was like, okay, (laughs) maybe it's time to, like, get get something done about this, so, um, so, yeah, they took me to the hospital and put me on a 72-hour hold. You say that like it's... <laughs> Yeah, we went to get
0: tea. So, you know, we just, we so, just stuck me in a... When, when they took you to the hospital, mm-hmm. did you fight back? Did you feel like they were being extra?
1: Like, how... Honest to God, <laughs> I thought, because I was so, like, far into this narration of a story in my mind, that I was being put like somewhere underground in like a time capsule and that I was going to come out like at the right time I have nothing <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you I need to make a movie about this <laughs> gosh this sounds so It much was like so interesting life. and it was like I don't know if I like hallucinated this or if this was real honest to god I don't know but my um my roommate that night was a, a trans kid, I don't know where, anyway, um, was a trans kid that was, like, super racially ambiguous and had these, like, piercing blue eyes, mm. and um, her name was Isis, and so that was, like, I don't know if I hallucinated that or not. So you don't know
0: if that was actually your roommate or if it was just your roommate in your head?
1: I don't know because I had a few roommates during that time in the hospital that I, I like, I know they were real because I, I saw other people interacting with them, but they were part of like the narration of the story. So I thought that I was being put underground to like make peace with like the different um, karmic nervous systems of the world that just needed a little bit of ministry And one of my roommates was this, um, woman who only spoke Spanish, but like immediately like gravitated toward me. And I called her Abuelita and she like took care of me the whole time. And then there was this little girl from Cambodia who was there that I ended up like helping her with her English. And so it was very hard to know like what was real or not, because it was like, you're from Cambodia and that's like why I'm here. Wow. So, yeah, it's it was, like, a beautiful, amazing experience.
0: So I'd be so interested to know whether your family would say that it was a beautiful, <laughs> amazing <laughs> right. experience. Because I know just having talked to even your sisters, they were very worried about you yeah. at the time.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that's why I knew that something wasn't correct. Like, I knew pretty much the whole time that I was, like, not in my right mind um and I think that yeah my, my littlest sister Emma especially took it pretty hard my mom did better with it because she's kind of dealt with a lot of like mental illness type of thing before um but she was smart because she knew that like if you're having a type of break like that the longer that you let it go on the worse it can be in the long term so she she was good about being like we need to do something, when she felt that it was time. Had
0: you ever suffered with any other type of, you know, I don't want to say mental illness, but, you know, depression or anxiety? Like, had you struggled in other areas psychologically before
1: this? Yeah, I think the... I think I struggled mostly with like emotional repression. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like the opposite of what I have. Yeah, <laughs> which is why I like you so much. <laughs> yeah, we complement each other. Yes, <laughs> balance. Um, yeah, I really struggled with emotional repression. If anything, but then when I had gone to Cambodia and like seen genocide and the you know worked in human trafficking for a while. Um, everything just kind of compiled onto me and I did sink into like a very deep depression and had terrible anxiety just about war and genocide and what happens when like groups of people cannot just like find peace. Um, so I had a lot of anxiety about war and it was the same time, uh, it was, uh, 2016. So the election was going on Mm. terrible time to have anxiety about war. It was just all bad, but And a lot of people suggested to me during that time to get on to some type of antidepressant. And I just, I knew that I didn't have a chemical imbalance. I just knew that I had seen some really hard things and couldn't reconcile them in my everyday go to Starbucks and get your favorite drink type of life, you know. It was just so much to, to try to merge. So, yeah, but crochet really helped me get out of that. And then,
0: (laughs) yeah. You know, all of this is so fascinating to me. Like, with service, we talk a lot about how important it is to volunteer. And I, this past weekend, spent the weekend with some friends down in Skid Row. And not that it's not an incredible experience, because it is. Like, all the things people say about serving are very true. But we don't really talk about the aftermath. Mm-hmm. Like, what happens when you go back to your comfortable house or situation? Right. And, like, how do you move forward? How do you wake up and just continue, like you said, to go to Starbucks and get your drink of the day, knowing that so many terrible things are happening in the world? And I think a lot of people probably do cope by repressing, or is that the right word? Suppressing. Yeah their emotions, you know, like it's easier not to feel anything at all because when you finally let yourself feel, it's like an emotion, like an emotional waterfall or like the floodgates open. Yeah.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think that we're definitely a, um, distraction culture. You know, if there's one moment of dead space, you just pick up your phone and there's no more dead space anymore. And that's kind of why I think that most people on this planet are schizophrenic or have split personality disorder because there's so much conflict and, um, like, what am I trying to say? There's not an alignment in their thinking. Mm-hmm. And there are different voices going on in their head creating conflict. And it it's so
0: funny. We talk, like, when you say, I hear voices in my head, the first people think about it are like, whoa.
1: Right,
0: now, <laughs> right <Red> flag. <laughs> well, no. But like been, Yeah, <laughs> but you have... Media and you have your friends, and then you have politics, and then you have your own nice. internal voice, and then you have the voice of people who might have said something to you when you were little and bullied yeah. you, and trying to reconcile all of that in your All head. of the
1: different things that influence your consciousness and shape your egoic experience, but also it's like if you're gonna say something like, Oh, I'm so mad at myself, well, who is I and who is myself, and why are they not aligned? And I think a lot of people at multiple times in their life can relate to, like, I'm not, like, aligned in my mind. My mind is a, in yoga, they call it a drunken monkey. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Just hopping from tree to tree without any sort of control, and people don't pay attention to their thoughts and their inner voice, and this thing just babbles on and on and on, and who knows if it's giving you anything good or not. And subconsciously controls us. Yeah. A lot of the decisions
0: that we make when we think back, somebody, you know, you might ask yourself before you make a decision, is this a good idea? But we don't usually consciously ask ourselves. So there might be like a little voice in the back of our head that says, this isn't a good idea. You shouldn't do this. So we don't pay it any mind and then we make the decision anyway. And then so many times you'll look back and be like, what a dumb thing to do where I shouldn't have done that. And people will be like, well if you knew it was a dumb decision, why did you make it? But it's like, don't we all do that? Don't we all ignore those voices in our head and allow them to control us? And then we look back and we're like, shoot, I should have taken time to make sure my voice, all these voices in my head were aligned. So I was making a good decision before I just.
1: Yeah. Like if you can, um, if you can be present in the face of like conflict or something uncomfortable or even just being like nervous in front of a boy that you like, if you can be present, then you can make decisions based in, like, your centered peace instead of making decisions based in, like, fear and just, like, spastic reaction. <laughs> so true. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I feel like most of, pe- most of people in the world function with multiple voices and conflicts going on in their head all the time. And, um, yeah, we all just need to learn how to <laughs> how to handle it Keep the drunken monkey still for I'm, a few minutes I' and...
0: uh, wow drunken <laughs> monkey that's such a great I'm not a huge yoga fan mostly because I get bored but if my <laughs> yoga teacher said that I'd pay attention. yeah um, so I want to go back to the hospital you're in the hospital for a few days what like what did they do I guess to treat you
1: right um, so they did put me on an antipsychotic kind of like right away. But then what they really did that helped was give me an Ambien. Mm. (laughs) So I went to sleep for like like 12 hours or something. And then I woke up and I was like, oh. And it did take a while for me to kind of come back into reality and be like, okay, I'm seeing the same things everybody else is seeing and I'm hearing all the same things everyone else is hearing. Um, And uh yeah, so they had given me this, like, antipsychotic, and that's that's the other part about, like, my story that I would kind of like to speak about is I think that what I experienced was more of a spiritual awakening or, like, some sort of, like, natural reaction that the body has to, like, high adrenaline, and I think that anybody can go through what I've gone through, and that doesn't necessarily mean that you, like, need to be put on a medication, Um, And I I don't think that this system was set up to help me with what I actually went through. Because I know that in other cultures, they're set up so that if somebody is going through something like that, there is an elder that knows what it is and how to guide them through it and knows what to do with the information that they get. Because I did get a lot of like beautiful imagery and metaphor and just things that I've carried with me since and I wouldn't give that up for the world it's just learning how to cope with you know what you experienced and then integrating that back into like everyone else's reality that's such an
0: excellent point I know with things like even autism we talk about you know just a disorders, we call them disorders, right? Like there are people who are in quotation marks normal because you guys can't see the quotation marks I just did. Uh, (laughs) we, We talk about people who are normal, then we talk about people who are not normal and how their not normalcy affects their brain and their ability to move throughout the world. But just historically, a lot of people who we would consider crazy or psychotic or having some type of breakdown or illness are actually geniuses. Like there are so many stories about people who, incredible artists, lots of incredible artists, lots of incredible scientists and thinkers who we categorize and put in this box who have actually made contributions to the world that have changed the way that we live every single day. And so I'm so glad we're having this conversation and recognizing that just because your mind works differently or you're in a space of having some type of an awakening doesn't necessarily mean That there's something wrong with you like Mm -hmm. we we call them breakdowns in society but like you and I have talked and I'm like I don't necessarily know that what you experienced is the type of stigmatic breakdown that we I'm saying a lot of words but I don't
1: (laughs) today I don't stigma yes
0: stigmatize yes (laughs) all kinds of words I promise I'm intelligent um but yeah, all of these words that we use to describe people who have these experiences that are really unfair because they have such negative connotations.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like, I, I would have loved to have gotten out of the, <laughs> to, of the mental hospital and been like, I just went through the most lit experience of my life. Let me tell you all about it. Like, yeah. it was amazing. And like, yes, I do think that I needed to, like, take care of my body absolutely um and I've gotten a lot better since then at loving myself and like listening to myself when I need to go to sleep when I need to eat a snack when I need to just sit and do nothing like I could not do that for the life of me before this experience so now I'm so much kinder to myself I like stopped caring about what I look like so much like I used to spend so much time getting ready every day and now I'm just like, whatever. Like, I feel so much freer. I feel so much more self-accepting. And um, Uh, one thing that I have so much more empathy and understanding for now is people that chronically struggle with um, different mental disorders or illnesses. And, you know, they could be, speaking the most brilliant things in the world I just can't understand the way in which they're communicating and I remember being that way I was trying to talk to my dad at one point and um, was just going a million miles a minute about like geometry of this desk and how it was made and the grain of the wood and he it was just like slow down like explain to me why you're saying that and I just couldn't get on his like level of communication and I think that that's kind of the difference, like you can communicate in the norms or you can't. (laughs) Yeah,
0: that's so frustrating because just because someone doesn't understand you doesn't mean it's not true. Yeah. And then people make you feel like you're crazy because they don't understand what you're saying. Right, exactly.
1: Yeah, I grew up with a cousin who um, had struggled with bipolar pretty heavily, and I remember seeing him manic, and he was always just in this heightened, creative flow like he would come up with rapping and he would like talk and tell these stories and like they were very interesting for sure but they're like hard to follow and I think that that's the case for a lot of people like it's just a communication breakdown that you have
0: you know we're comfortable talking about this and we know each other well obviously but when you're talking to people or do you talk to people you don't know about this are you afraid that they're gonna think that you're crazy or judge you
1: um I mean, I, I'm definitely not ashamed of what I went through. I don't bring it up in casual conversation, but if I do feel safe, I'll definitely talk about it. I think that part of the reason it has such a stigma is people don't talk about it and because it's very shamed in our culture. Um, but everybody has a different journey and a different experience. And if you, um, if the world or if the universe needs to kind of break you down maybe I did have a breakdown I broke down a lot of the walls in my mind that were keeping me from resting and loving myself and feeding myself just like you know the basics of being human and letting myself feel emotion I cry now it's great I cry now that's so
0: important yeah Yeah. it is I'm a firm believer in allowing yourself to feel whatever you're feeling not drowning in it or letting yeah. it control you, but otherwise, emotions don't just disappear. Like if you sweep it under the rug, it's still going to be there. You don't just get rid of what you're feeling,
1: right? You know,
0: yeah. Um, so, I'm curious. After this situation, you, you talked a little bit about like how you feel like you've changed as an individual um, in terms of your artistry. How has that affected? You know your business now and the way that you consume art or the way that you create is that different
1: yeah absolutely um, I think that a big thing that I changed was my social media content intake I went through all of my social medias and all of the things that I follow and I unfollowed everything that did not raise my vibration I was just I you know I think we subconsciously follow tons of people and consume tons of content that like just make us feel insecure or um distract you from your path so I unfollowed a bunch of people and then I started following um architects and woodworkers and stone carvers and just things that inspire me and that's helped me grow so much as an artist uh like I said I conceptualize space differently now so even in my crochet design and even in my like hair and makeup design, I've gotten a lot more skilled because I got this, like, new level of, like, spatial awareness, I guess, Mm. Um, and I don't know if that makes sense to anyone else, but. Very little
0: (laughs) sense to me, but I'm sure for one of our creatives out there listening, they'll know exactly what you're talking about. Such a nerd. (laughs) Uh, How to, so, you know, we talked a little bit about religion. How has this, kind of affected your religious journey and which you believe
1: about the world spiritually mm, good question I think I was left with a lot of questions after that because I didn't quite know what I had gone through and it felt highly spiritual for sure but it didn't feel like um I don't know it was just a lot I didn't have like a way to like hope with it. Thank God I had a really good therapist after the fact that diagnosed me to meditate on the color green and like eat protein. And I was like, "Great, that sounds much better than a pill. Thank you." Um so, I don't know. I mean, I think that maybe it didn't necessarily change my like religious Outlook, or what I is
0: your religious outlook? I don't
1: think I have one. Well, I believe in oneness, and I believe in—I believe that we are God experiencing itself. I think that um, we are like pure soul, creative consciousness, and we are here, God, having a experience in this three-dimensional world. I grew up Christian, I think that my biggest offshoot of Christianity that I've landed on is that I don't believe in hell, and I don't believe that, like, the Bible is, like, the end-all be-all. Has that been hard for you, growing up
0: in a very traditional, with a very traditional Christian background, and then having these, a broader idea about who God is?
1: Yeah, it is, it's a trip, because I've definitely had very intense connected spiritual experiences inside of the Christian church, and even in, like, a relationship with Jesus. Like, I've experienced, like, moments of, like, powerful healing, and so, like, I'm, like, and I'll never deny that, like, I, I think that, like, the, the Christ, um, energy is like a beautiful thing to align to absolutely um so i'm i don't feel like i've i don't feel like i'm in conflict with a lot of it but sometimes it's like you're sitting in church and like i just can't be around like the fear tactics of hell um or yeah yeah i get
0: it (laughs) i was I feel like I have these spiritual downloads every night. I don't know if that's what you want to call it, or maybe they're just dreams. <laughs> um, but I was writing in the notes section of my phone, like, really late last night. Like, fear, fear is birthed from wanting to control, but love is birthed from, like, free will. Mm-hmm. And when people are preaching religion, no matter what you believe spiritually from a place of fearing people, you're really trying to control people, Mm -hmm. but when you're giving people the free will to actually decide for themselves and to experience religion, I don't even really like the word religion, to experience God for themselves, it's birthed from love, so I totally understand not wanting to sit in spaces where people try to scare you into believing what they believe
1: you know? Yeah, absolutely, Um, I don't think that there's any room for fear in our relationship with God. I think that, like, any time that I have been, like, truly, fully aligned and, like, feeling the Holy Spirit, like, there was no fear. There was only, like, powerful, like, intention. Is there
0: anything else from your experience that you want people to know, or wisdom that you feel like you want to share with Hmm. people?
1: I mean, I guess, I feel very fortunate to have such an amazing support system. And I, I know that there are tons of people out there that have experienced similar things to me and did not have a support system and, you know, either died or now they're in like a bad situation in life. And or could be homeless. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I think that yeah, I, th- I just feel so blessed to have the community that I do and I would just love to um, help other people feel comfortable talking about if they're having these issues because they are preventable and you can catch something like this and not let it spiral and spiral and spiral. like.
0: So let's talk about the preventable pieces. We mentioned like taking care of your body physically. Um, are there things besides maybe being more expressive of your emotion when you got back from your trip before the breakdown happened are there ways in which you had wished you had dealt with that trauma differently
1: yeah I think um what was hard about that is I had come back from this trip to Cambodia just a total disaster just anxiety out the roof I had never had anxiety before and at the time my parents had just split up so and this was like kind of one of the bigger like moments of like it, it kind of seems like they weren't going to get back together this time so my usual core group and support system was just not there at that time so I instead of feeling my emotions and crying about what I had seen and trying to reacclimate, I immediately had to become this like strong person for my family and had to have multiple like really tough conversations with my parents and my sisters um so i i don't think that i did deal with it at all i think i just shoved it down and then i started to like obsessively crochet and didn't didn't fully deal with it i was able to meditate and control my mind through crochet i was able to stop thinking about war constantly and think about geometry and shapes and colors and I was able to distract my mind and train it into submission, which was helpful, but not in the way of healing. And the
0: importance of balance. In our society, we talk so much about distraction. It's like, oh, you go through a terrible breakup, distract yourself. Get on Tinder. Find somebody else to fill that Mm -hmm. void. You know, oh, you sad about something in your life? Distract yourself. Get busy. Build a business. And why, while all of those things can look great, even going to the gym can be an awesome thing. If you're going to the gym or getting on Tinder or building a business because you're distracting yourself from experiencing what you should be experiencing and moving through emotions that you should be moving through, it's not healthy. No. Not every good <laughs> thing is a healthy thing.
1: Yes. And that's,
0: <laughs> you know, that's, it, it takes a lot of maturity to recognize that.
1: Yeah, I um, am a type 3 on the Enneagram, so I'm all about achieve, 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 and that's how I cope with my emotions, (laughs) and I'm really glad that I somewhat got out of that pattern. I think I still have some work to do in that area, but um, I at least recognize it now. (laughs) Yeah,
0: it's, oh gosh, just being able to recognize it also comes from a lot of maturity, and it's easier to see in other people than it is to see in yourself. Because I know I've had friends that have gone through very traumatic things and then they're distracting themselves and they try to, you know, spin the story like a positive thing. Like, oh yeah, I'm okay. Everything's so good. Like, look at all this cool stuff happening. And I'm like, girl, that's awesome. But as your friend, let's go back like three steps. Like, let's talk about all that stuff that you're ignoring and tr- like all the trauma that you're kind of trying to pretend doesn't exist because it's going to come back to get you at some point
1: yeah it really does it does in all types of ways it does in illnesses it does in like lashing out in anger and addiction and yeah you gotta deal with that shit (laughs) how
0: has your experience
1: affected your
0: um your relationship with yourself with the people around you, romantic or otherwise?
1: Hmm. Um, I don't, hmm. I definitely cut out a lot of people after that experience that just weren't giving me energy, that were just energy vampires. Um, so that happened. (laughs) I definitely like dropped a lot of, of people, and I felt the need to move out of the house that I was living in, which is why I live with you now in this beautiful house. Um, not that I didn't love the people I lived with, but um, I think there was an energy about the house, and this is where I know that me talking about this experience, it should be that people are going to be like, oh yeah, she's just crazy in general. But I am very sensitive to energy, and I just felt like a weird energy there, so I left there and kind of just needed to start fresh. Um, But really, I think I I found out who my my true, like, core support group is. Like, it was really incredible, like, who reached out to me. I had called my um, business partner that I do hair and makeup with, and she's, like, my ride-or-die girl, and totally quit on her during the time that I was... Um, on my trip to the moon and uh, she she was just so amazing and supportive afterward and like wanted to hear about my experience and has just always supported me and been a good friend and I had people just reaching out making sure I was okay I had friends host me in Nashville so that I could get away and just clear my mind Um, so yeah I think it kind of like brought me closer to the people that I needed to be close to and I got rid of a lot of people that I didn't.
0: It's funny how that happens like bad things kind of allow people to show up for you and love you and care about you.
1: Yeah that was a that was an amazing experience like I didn't let people do that for me but I remember really incredible experiences like with Emma my youngest sister as she was like taking care of me because she was really worried about me and then my mom just like holding me while I cried about like Cambodia finally like years later or a year later Um, and I had never really let like people take care of me like I I, I've been an intense worker since I was like 17 and have been like I don't know I guess more than average like self-sufficient since then and just have not been okay with the concept of people just like holding me. And it was really nice to like let myself be helped because I had no other choice, mm-hmm. and it was beautiful. And I, I needed to feel vulnerable, and I needed to like be taken care of. It was really cathartic and liberating, for sure.
0: And I love that. I mean, it's why I'm doing this podcast. I think a lot of us are so afraid of vulnerability, I and mean, I've had people reach out to me after my last couple and been like, wow, they were so vulnerable about their experiences. I can never do that. And it's a lie that we tell ourselves, but vulnerability pays dividends, not only in strengthening our relationships with other people, but in setting us free emotionally. It's exhausting to walk around all day trying to hide who you are mm-hmm. or to put a smile on your face when you're actually feeling sad or to, you know, wipe your tears really quickly before somebody comes in the room so they don't know that you've been crying. I, like, I don't even know how to do that. And when I try, when I try to do it, it's so heavy and it feels so fake that I, I'm i not productive. I can't even walk in the fullness of who I am or create what I'm supposed to create or do what I'm supposed to do because I'm putting too much energy and trying to, like, be okay when I'm not okay.
1: Yeah. Like, That's know? what I love about you. You're <laughs> not going to fake it.
0: <laughs> I can't. I don't.
1: Oh, man. And I, it, not
0: everybody not everybody receives it well. You know, I think there are a lot of people who get very uncomfortable around vulnerability and they don't know how to, um, like, support and be there for you. Mm-hmm. I remember when I first started at FabFitFun and went through a breakup, My boss asked me, how are you today? And I was like, I am not okay. (laughs) And just started crying. And he didn't know what to do. And kind of put like an awkward, like, I don't want to touch you if you don't want to ask to be touched. Because it's a me too movement. But also I want to be there for you. And like pat my back a little bit. But we've been so close ever since. And you know, and I think most people probably would have just been like, oh, I'm fine. And then just like walked to the bathroom and had a moment and gone back to their desk.
1: I don't know how to do that. But I was doing that like a champion (laughs) I was like I was like stone cold like you couldn't get an emotion out of me like yeah I had a few moments like that too where it was kind of scary to me how much I was doing it like I was in Thailand on the trip that I came back with the anxiety and um I was part of the rescue of this three-year-old and her older sister, and basically the mother of these uh, two girls just, like, left them with us in, like, a Thai Walmart, and these little girls were from, like, a little village and had been being, like, sexually um, exploited in their village, which is how we found them, but um, they had never been to, like, a Walmart they had never seen a white person before and their mom just like left them with us and the baby started crying and I like every bone in my body was like shaking and I just wanted to collapse on the floor and just like cry with this little girl and I just like like felt like this stone wall go up in me of just like no you have to be strong right now like you cannot break down and I don't think that I ever like let all of that stuff go where do you think you learned that
0: that you have to be strong and you can't
1: break down um I mean I think growing up as a performer I started recording professionally at the age of six and like you can only be professional for so long as a six-year-old but you know you uh You have these, like, intensely emotional moments when you're, like, little and trying to sing in front of people and can't experience those emotions in that time because you have to go on stage in a few moments. Mm. So I think that that's kind of where I learned to, like, shove my emotions down. And I remember telling my sister, Emma, who was, like, a baby at the time, and I was little, too. I was like, don't cry in front of mom and dad because that means that you're weak, (laughs) Wow. And I don't know where I got this. That's such a deep
0: thing to say. And I
1: was a baby. Like, where did I get that? I don't know.
0: Can you think of a time when you were younger and maybe were emotional where somebody made you feel bad about that? Like, do you have an experience like that?
1: Um, I mean... Yeah, again, probably going, growing up in the music industry and just being a performer. Because we, like, my sisters and I were, like, f- basically full-time. Like, it was, like, school, and then we would go to the studio every day. So, I think I learned a lot. I devel- did a lot of my developing in that space and having to be a professional as, like, a little kid and just not being able to, like, let my emotions... Go and also I was the oldest, so I had to keep my shit together always. I wish we could change the
0: narrative about what it means to be a professional. Mm. Like I've I've heard people talk about that in the workplace. You know, it's unprofessional to cry at work. It's unprofessional to show your emotion. It's unprofessional to tell the truth. Oh my gosh, walking <laughs> like just working in corporate America, the lies that people tell all day mm. it drive me insane. It's like, what did you think about that presentation? Oh, I thought it was great. And then they walk away and they're like, that presentation sucked. And then like, why does professional mean putting on a face and lying to people or telling people what they want to hear? Like, why are those
1: things synonymous? Yeah, yeah, and that goes back to like, I think that our society is set up for everyone to be schizophrenic or split personality. Because you have one face that you wear at work. You have one face that you wear around your girlfriends, you have one face that you wear around your boyfriend, you have one face that you wear at the club, and, like, who are you? Like, at the core of who you are, who is it, and why is it constantly changing? Like, I was that way. I was constantly, like, different characters of myself, and it's exhausting.
0: Yeah, it's (laughs) it's exhausting, and my hope is that we get to a place, or we evolve to a place where we're comfortable accepting people in the fullness of who they are no matter what circle they're in and not being afraid to maybe be the person who sounds different or looks different or has a different thought I you know I tend to welcome that like in in spaces even you know you sitting on the podcast and being like everybody else has been real religious and Christian and you know I'm gonna talk about chakras (laughs) I think it's important to be able to say that and not feel like we have to pretend we're something that we're not because you can't grow if you're not starting from an honest place in any capacity we can't connect if we're not starting from an honest place like everything has to start from the truth and the truth is why we well yeah we're all complex creatures we shouldn't have to lie and put on faces about who we are depending on who's surrounding us like don't play to the audience
1: yeah absolutely and I think that it takes people just deciding that they're going to be comfortable and own who they are and own their experiences and make that the status quo so that it's not so weird when somebody is being their authentic self no matter what situation that they're in in life and it's like be the change you wish to see just be your authentic self and then people will expect you to be that
0: yeah set that expectation and i'm um i'm proud of you even since i've known you i feel like i've watched you grow a lot in your vulnerability and <laughs> in just your expression the fact that you're even willing to sit on this couch and talk about what you've experienced like I'm your therapist <laughs> um, in front of the entire world is it's I know that you've it's so funny as a performer even you you said you like struggled with like stage fright mm-hmm. or being in front of people and just being brave enough and confident enough in who you are to like let your light shine and I hope other people can take that lesson and let their own light shine you know like Mm -hmm. not be afraid to tell their story and not be afraid to share what they've experienced to talk about their fears or scary moments or embarrassing moments they're not bad
1: things yeah absolutely and I think that's why I'm here because if there's anything that I want to say it's that I hope that people Feel brave to, to own it. Hundred and
0: um, I said a hundred like we were texting. You know, text, <laughs> d- like hundred emoji. Yeah. Hundred hands up. <laughs> uh, but it's I, it's so funny. I've talked to a few people that were like, you know, why do you want to, why do you want to tell stories like exploiting people's experiences? And it was such a funny word to me. And I'm like, I don't get paid first of all to podcast. <laughs> In Jesus' name, maybe I will get paid one day so that I'm not kicked out of this beautiful house that we're (laughs) living in together. Um, But sharing and telling our stories is, like, the essence of, I think, who we are and our responsibility as humans. What's Mm -hmm. the point of going through something if we don't reach back and set somebody else free? Like, we talk about Harriet Tubman all the time, and she she was an incredible woman in the movie Harriet, incredible movie. But she didn't just set herself free and go find a little place for herself to settle. She was an incredible person because she kept going back Mm, for people. Like she wanted to share, you know, I figured out how to get out. Let me show you how to get out too. Mm. And I think we have a responsibility of not being ashamed or embarrassed of our experiences and sharing them and helping other people get Yeah, absolutely.
1: And this is something that you said the night that I met you, which stuck with me because I kind of did the same spiel and I was like... (laughs) whatever this girl is so cute and whatever. so extra um, <laughs> um, but you know every single person is so uniquely different and I believe that we are God experiencing itself and we have these incredible gifts that are as unique to us as our thumbprint like we are completely unique creative essence ready to just play and God wants to like play with us and I think that it's a disservice when we shut that down and we get clouded by ego and we um, compromise our art and we compromise what we're trying to say in the world and do in the world and we fall back into those um, conformity fear thought processes and, and oh, it's all of that
0: just is <laughs> so terrifying to me it's also so funny, I forget the night that we met, um, the mic like wasn't working, or the music wasn't working or something, and I was going to read a poetry please, and I just had the mic while they were trying to figure it out, and I just started like preaching,
1: <laughs> you did you started preaching,
0: I'm like because God created all of us for a reason and you are here for a reason and you've got
1: to use that gift it's so crazy because I had gone through this like weeks before we met, like maybe two or three weeks before. Wow! So it was a very the timing. It was in, It was crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you so much. I'm
0: so glad we got to have this conversation. Me too. Again, if you guys want to follow Dominique, she actually has like ten different Instagrams <laughs> because she has ten different jobs. Uh, do you uh, want to give your personal Instagram or just the Namaste and Crochet? Which build business are we
1: building today? I mean, <laughs> my personal Instagram is just like bizarre snippets of <laughs> my life,
0: which I personally enjoy following. But. If you
1: enjoy such a thing, my name is Dominique Calvillo. Good luck spelling <laughs> that. Or if you would like my uh, my crochet business, it is at namaste and crochet. And she's
0: incredibly talented
1: at crochet.
0: I obviously this is sworn testimony so I wouldn't just say that to make her feel good about herself. I am a proponent of telling the truth and I promise you if you get on her
1: Instagram page you will be wowed and amazed. And you'll also see a lot of hot pictures of Kiara. <laughs> oh, yeah
0: I, you'll see me too because I love modeling for her. Yeah. Any opportunity that I get. Um, thank you all for listening and I will see you or I guess talk to you on the next episode of sworn testimonies.